frequency of heaven I want to be on the frequency of Christ. Good morning and welcome to the Frequency of Heaven podcast. This is Pastor Caleb Plum from Stony Point Church in KCK, Kansas City, Kansas. So glad that you're listening today. I want to tell you something. God has good things for you. God wants to bless you. He even starts off one of his first big public sermons says, Blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you, over and over. And then he gives like some conditions and some um, ways that you can experience the blessing. Think about this one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the humble, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God wants to bless your life. And so much of it begins with a properly exalting him and properly humbling ourselves before him. I want to talk today about exalting the Lord early in the morning, starting your day by praise and worship, starting your day with exalting Christ. It does several things as we're going to get into the word today, but let's pray and see the power of exalting the name of Jesus above all names. (laughs) Lord, we love you. And uh, there's a lot of things to exalt. There's a lot of interesting things. There's a lot of things to give our attention and our heart to. But God, we want to give our heart to you. We want to give our heart to the things that are meaningful. We want to give our heart to the one who, the only one who saved us, who died on a cross. The only one that's really worthy. Lord, forgive us when we exalt ourselves. Forgive us when we exalt uh, things around us that really are not worthy of our attention the way that we should. And God, help us, help us, help us to be your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I uh, so many good thoughts coming as I'm, I'm thinking about several things in my life that have been there over the years, kind of coming together on this podcast because I have known, I don't know, but I've known for quite a while that I personally struggle a little bit getting, I want to use two phrases today, unsettled, two terms, unsettled and, uh, you know, agitated by things saying, people say and do all the way to getting offended. I would say when I'm unsettled, that's like pre-offense. I'm not offended, but I'm getting close. And then and then I really let offense into my heart. And to me, that's the devil's end game, right? Like it says in Matthew 24, there'll be wars and rumors of wars. Oh, wow, that sounds like today. <laughs> and it says um, in Matthew 24, 12, uh, people will hate one another, they'll betray one another. And uh, as wickedness is increasing, the love of many will grow cold. And it says in Luke 21, in a similar passage, even some of the elect will be deceived. I believe that the enemy's um, end game for Christians and for the church is to have a cold-hearted bride, a bride with no love, with no grace. And so whenever I sense that I'm getting offended or upset about something, eventually the Lord will take me back to Ephesians 6. Your battle's not against flesh and blood, (laughs) but against rulers and authorities. And so don't take it personal. The enemy is going for the jugular. He wants you offended. He wants you in no love in your heart. Because with love, uh, everything flows from the heart. And when there's love, good things are happening. And so years ago... Um, I, I'm always I'm always looking for you know when I'm getting unsettled I'm getting angry I'm holding on to things I'm looking for the scripture the truth that'll set me free right John eight thirty two abide in my truth you know my truth the truth will set you free and that is such a paramount passage for me because whenever I've been a day or two and I know I'm not right 
I come back to there's something I'm holding on to in my mind and heart. It's not true. Because if I had truth, I'd be free. And I don't feel free. <laughs> so John 8, 31 and 8, 32 are so huge for me. And if the Son has set me free, that I'm free indeed. It says a few verses after that. And so I remember one time we did a church survey in Iowa. And we asked people's opinion. And when we asked their opinion, um, we I've actually shared this story before, maybe on a podcast or a sermon. So some you, myself and me. But it was such a breakthrough moment for me. I, I remember where I was when I got offended. I remember where I was when I got <laughs> set free. We asked people's opinion, and this lady gave her opinion. And now this was private. She didn't sign it, but it was a small church. It's really easy to figure out who it was. <laughs> but she gave her opinion. And in her opinion, it wasn't rude. It wasn't unkind. It, it just wasn't what I wanted to hear. And I, I got upset. You know, if you, if you give a survey out asking for people's opinion and you can only handle it when they say nice things, then that's not real mature on your – so I wasn't being mature. I wasn't being stable. And, you know, if we don't deal with our heart, our heart is already weak when we're dealing with cranky people, then it will – you know, it'll, it'll be even worse. But – what I did was I kept praying and thinking, and I just had that, I had an anger towards this person. I had a frustration towards this person, and we were on vacation. And you, you, know, you know when you're trying to just enjoy being with family and friends and having a good time, and there's something bothering you? That's the worst, you know? You just want to be free in Jesus. And so I think maybe, well, we were on our way home. We were at a Walmart gas station. I can never forget this. And I'm praying, Lord, you know, I give up. I humble myself before you. I'm, I've been holding on to this way too long. This person literally just gave their opinion, and I don't know why it's bothering me so much. And I can't remember if I had talked to Melanie or anything about it. But eventually, I remember I'm about to get back in the car at this Walmart gas station. And I felt like the Lord said, Caleb, this is a gift. What this person has said is a gift. What if, and this is the way I felt the Lord showed it to me, what if... You know, you're you're upset because what they're saying um, kind of humbles you. But being humble is great because God gives grace to the humble. Humility is great because, he, you know, Christ is the only one worth being exalted. Like pride, ambition, self-exaltation, wanting to be popular, those are those are cancers to the soul. And I felt like the Lord said, you may have had a little bit of those in this particular uh, uh, survey that you don't like. It kind of was your chemo. <laughs> it, it is killing some of your pride. And it's actually a good thing. This is a gift from me to you. Humble yourself. Don't worry about... And, and this is kind of how he processed it. Do you want to be exalted? Well, no, Lord. I, I was like, no, God, I don't want to be exalted. I remember Acts 12, Herod, you know, the, the crowd said, Herod, you have the voice of a God. Herod wanted to be exalted. Well, guess what? God uh, allowed him to be eaten up by worms because God's the only one worth being exalted. You know, he's the only one who should be exalted. And I know for a fact that I struggle with that. I, I, I love it when people praise me. I love it when people say good things. I love it when I get a star and when I get to stay out longer at recess. I mean, we're conditioned to want to be praised and to be complimented. And um, 
there's a part of us that likes to be exalted, and God does. You, I, I did a word study this morning all, all through Scripture on the word exalted. There's tons of verses where it said God exalted different people. It says in Joshua 3, God exalted Joshua in the sight of the people. But it's God doing it. There is a part of our flesh. We want to be popular. We want to be liked. We feel weak. We feel little. And so anything we can say and do to kind of boost ourselves up. But the Bible also says in 1 Corinthians 3, 4, love does not boast. Love is not proud. When, when you have the love of God in heart, you don't exalt yourself. And I, to this day, am absolutely convinced the Lord allowed me to get unsettled and then it turned into being offended because there was a little bit of self-exaltation in my heart. And once I got rid of that, I was able to read this lady's survey and not really worry about it. It didn't really affect me. And But over the years, that story has come back to me many times because sometimes I get offended. And I want to show you a verse here in James that I think is so powerful. It's convicting. I remember years ago, I actually memorized the, the book of James and... Um, and it was a really good study, and I came across this verse. And when you're memorizing Scripture, sometimes it just gets into your heart in a different way. This is in James 3, 14. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, I think I had some of that in my heart. Want to be exalted, a selfish ambition is a desire to be exalted. Don't boast about or deny the truth. Such wisdom, it doesn't come down from heaven, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. That's why I said it's cancer, and this lady brought the chemo. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you'll find every disorder uh, disorder and every evil practice. But wisdom that comes from heaven, how do you know? Like you're sitting there reading a survey, and you have wisdom about a survey that's actually from heaven. Well, here, there's eight ways you can know if you actually have God's wisdom. It's pure. It's peace-loving, considerate, submissive to other people, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. What prompted this podcast, I was talking to a friend um, a while back, and they had a very close friend that they, you know, interact with on a regular basis, belittle them. And I, I can't go into it more than that, but it was a direct, it was very personal. It was, uh, you know, they were standing in the same room and this person literally, you know, and I felt bad. And this is, this is an adult individual telling me what this other person directly said to them. And, I, you know, like always, I... I didn't really know what to say. I'd be a terrible counselor because I never know what to say in the moment. But I spent a few days thinking about, um, actually, maybe not a few days, but I spent a couple days thinking about what this, this person went through. And I got to think about that story. You know, I don't know about them, but I know when I want a little bit uh, to be exalted that I get it unsettled much more quickly. But I also know that when my heart is right and it's all about Jesus and my reputation, uh, you know, it's not really that big of a deal. What people think, you know, it says in Psalm 62, 7, my glory comes from the Lord. My, the, my honor that I'm looking for, it comes from the Lord. When I'm looking for honor from other people, it's so easy. So the cool thing is, beloved, 
There's many scriptures. Psalm 63 is one. David says, it's a dry and weary land, but early I will seek you. And, you know, the Bible talks about having our daily bread and daily denying ourselves, taking them across. I, I believe there's incredible power. I found incredible power, and I was doing it this morning at 7, 7.30 in the morning. I was practicing this podcast because I thought this is where I was going to go. But I was practicing exalting God. And, you know, it says in Psalm 22, verse 3, that God inhabits the praises of his people. So the moment you begin to praise and exalt it, God will come into that situation. That's the beautiful thing. You know, and God will bring his peace because he's the prince of peace. God will bring his love because he is love, 1 John 4, 7. So w- whenever you exalt him, you activate Psalm 22, 3, God inhabits the praises of his people. Your flesh gets more quiet. When you really worship and exalt God, you see, when you get offended and unsettled, that's your flesh. That's rarely ever the spirit. Now, Jesus, he got unsettled and cleansed the temple, he wasn't unsettled in his flesh. He was unsettled by his, his spirit was bothered by the sin and the wickedness. Uh, and he says, zeal, you know, it was said about him, zeal for his father's house would consume him. And it did. Uh, there in John two seventeen, it says that. And, but most of the time when we get unsettled, and then maybe it leads to offense, it's our flesh in our fleshly desire to be right, our fleshly desire to be looked upon well, thought of well, we get unsettled. But the thing is, if we shift our heart, it's like, you know, you know, Lord, and that's what happened at that gas station. And it's so cool. It's maybe prophetic. I was at a Walmart gas station where the gas is as cheap as you can find. And it was almost like the Lord spoke to me at that gas station saying, Caleb, you need to refuel on me and not worry so much about if there's some truth in the negative survey, well, then learn from it. That's why you did the survey. If there's, if she's upset, if she doesn't like you, if she is is immature, well, well you know, pray for her, have grace. We're all immature. We all have things we're working on. Have grace, you know, be patient. Um, but you don't need to be unsettled by it. If you are fully living to completely exalt me and you being exalted, your ambition is dead and you have no concerned to be exalted, what they say won't bother you nearly as much. And this has proven true to me over and over and over. Um, and I, I wrote this when I, I actually typed it. I rarely ever type out my my verses and podcasts, but I typed all this out and kept it in a, I'm going to keep this in a file because this is such an important thing to me. But I wrote at the top of my paper, exalting the Lord and eyes fixed on his greatness makes us tougher. It actually makes us tougher. Now, here's, here's the verse that I, I wrote down early this morning that I was thinking about yesterday. I was thinking about this yesterday. John 3, 26 is very, very interesting. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. John the Baptist was born before Jesus, and John the Baptist was his cousin, and he was sent to prepare the way. He was sent to prepare the way and to make the mountains level and bring up the valley so that when people saw the Messiah, they would know John was already baptized and he was always calling for repentance. And so then Jesus would come in on his heels. John was like a transition person from Old Testament, New Testament, getting people ready for this radical change called the gospel from law to grace. And John the Baptist was popular, had a big following, very easily could have been tempted with pride and self-exaltation, ambition. 
Well, what happens in John chapter 3 is Jesus comes onto the scene, and he's God. And John knew that. Remember, because John's going to baptize him and say, I'm not even worthy to you know tie this guy's shoe, let alone baptize him. So John knows it's all about Jesus. John knows it's all for Jesus. But John um, says this in John 3, 26 and following, that John the Baptist is actually saying these things. John the Apostle recorded it. Okay, here we go. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, this is John the Baptist's disciples that are uh, a little unsettled. <laughs> that uh, who was with you, that guy, the rabbi, talking about Jesus, who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about? Look, he's baptizing. Everybody's going to him. You ever been there where you're losing popularity? People don't like you as much and it feels like things are going backwards. Maybe you've had a business and people are leaving your business. Maybe you had a church and, and people are leaving your church and there's the new cool church and they're all going over there. Maybe, you know, you remember being a parent of... I remember when Javen was in sixth grade and I always said, love you, when I let him out of the car and he would walk to the school and he'd always look back and say, love you, dad. And I never forget the day when I said, love you, Jay. And he's like, bye, dad. You know, he didn't say love you back to me. Oh, it just crushed me. I'll never forget it. But the thing is, you know, kids grow up and we, we realize things like that. But can you remember a time in your life when it seemed like Somebody else was doing better and better, and it was almost kind of stealing your spotlight and success. Um, you know, I started a band in Bible college, but eventually there were some people in the band, and they were they were better at guitar than me, they were better singers than me, and eventually we kind of transitioned out, and I kind of remember feeling hurt. I also felt good that I'd started something because it was kind of my brainchild in the sense it was really the Lord using me. But you know, and and then they <laughs> they recorded an album album and they used one of the songs that I've written they never asked me for the rights to the song they never, you know and so you, you there's so many different ways we can get upset and offended and sometimes we really are wronged and there's an injustice that has to be dealt with but a lot of times it's just our pride being hurt well now John's going to come up with this brilliant response to his disciples who are a little bit upset that um, everybody's leaving them going to Jesus. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I'm not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. So what's John saying? John's saying, I'm not the bridegroom. I'm a friend of the bridegroom. I'm not the big deal. This wedding story is not about me. I'm the best man. I'm one of the groomsmen. I'm a part of the story, but it's not. So he has a very honest perspective. And the truth will set you free. Ultimately, when I did that survey, was it really about me? No, the truth is what is best for God's kingdom? What is best for the church? Are there some opinions out there that may, I was making it about me. And the truth is it's not about me. It's about Christ. It's about his kingdom. It's about his glory. And so we get tempted, we get tempted to make it about us. You yourselves can testify, I'm not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead. The bridegroom belong, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. You know, can you imagine, you know, Lancelot stealing Guinevere from King Arthur? I mean, that, that is one of the ways that that story is portrayed. Can you imagine John the Baptist trying to take the bride from Jesus, the bridegroom? You know, we never want to be that person who gets in the way of Jesus and his love for the church. We don't want to be that person who 
really, really, Satan himself wanted to be exalted. This is where the conviction really gets for me. You read Job. Satan had some kind of access to the throne room. He could make accusation to um, God right there about Job. Well, then you get into Revelation 12, and Satan is cast out. And you read Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14. We think those are two passages about Lucifer. He wanted to be exalted. He wanted the throne. And there's a little bit of me that wants the throne. I want to be exalted. I want to be popular. I want to be cool. I want people to exalt me and think that I'm great. I mean, it's part of my fleshly desire. But when I realize how evil it is, it says there in James 3 that where there's selfish ambition, there's every evil disorder. When I realize that that is the nature of Satan, not God's nature. Jesus says in Mark 10, 45, the Lord did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He didn't come to be exalted. And actually, he was the only one worthy right, to be exalted. But it says in Philippians 2, he humbled himself, took on the nature of a servant and nature of flesh, and he was crucified and he, he being humble, even to the point of death, it says in Philippians 2. Therefore, because he humbled himself, God will exalt him to the name that's above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and tongue confess, it says in Philippians 2. So we realize theologically that he's the only one worth exalting, but it is more practical and personal and difficult when we're unsettled and then potentially offended is there a little cancer operating in us that the reason I'm unsettled is because I want to be exalted. I don't want to look bad. I've accidentally cooperated with that dragon in Revelation 12, and I, I want some position. You know, I want some recognition. But John the Baptist has such a healthy godly, mature understanding of his identity. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend, talking about himself in the third person, the best man in the wedding or the groomsman who attends the bridegroom waits and listens. You know, he doesn't run ahead, get ahead, doesn't try to steal the bride. And the cool thing is when we're waiting and listening and I would say exalting the bridegroom, Jesus, coming for his bride. It says, then we're full of joy, beloved. Oh, do you hear it? There is a joy when we get out of the center and we put Christ in the center. And it's all about him and it's all for him. And, 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 and there's a toughness. And people can say and do all kinds of things. And it doesn't affect us in the same because it's not about us. And so we can be full of joy even when there's drama, even when there's division, even when people are saying, we can be full of joy because it's not about me. And, and John the Baptist it gives us such a revelation, and we're almost to my favorite verse in this passage, when he hears the voice of the bridegroom. You know you can actually hear God's voice way better. We're talking about frequency of heaven, beloved. You cannot, we cannot hear the voice of God when we're full of pride, self-exaltation, ambition. We can't hear it because we're listening for more nice things about us. We miss, we're on the wrong frequency. And the disciples of John the Baptist, why were they ever following him? They're upset that they're decreasing and not as cool and popular. I've been there. Well, did they start off with the motive of being cool and popular, having position power? Uh, why are they upset that they're getting smaller in number? 
if it's all about Jesus, all for Jesus, all for the kingdom, and maybe they don't realize really who Jesus is, and so John's trying to help them. But then John says this favorite part. Well, I, I, right before verse 30, he says, that joy is mine, and now it's complete. There, so I'm going to get to verse 30 here in a second, but I, I don't want to skip over this. There is a complete joy. There's, there's 80% joy, 90%. There's a complete joy when you fully get out of self-exaltation and you are so exalting Jesus, what what people say about you doesn't really matter. If everybody leaves you, it doesn't really matter. Everybody insults you, it doesn't really matter. It's not about me. I'm here to make God look good. If I can make Jesus look good by having mud slung on me, well, all right, sling some mud because that my goal isn't to stay clean and to look good and to keep a clean shirt. <laughs> my goal is to make him look good, whatever it takes. John had that kind of mentality, and eventually he would have his head cut off in a few more chapters down the road of the gospel story. Like he literally is going to be um, you know, arrested and and killed in prison over something super petty about you know um, someone getting someone getting offended. <laughs> he gets his head cut off for it, but it doesn't matter to him. He says when you get out of the way, you put Jesus in the, the joy is complete, and you, you see it says you can hear. You can wait and listen and get full joy. It's like the trifecta. You you wait, you listen, you get full joy. The joy's complete. It's ah, so many good things happen if we can get our get to exalting Jesus right away. Now here's the verse I'm, I'm really excited about, verse 30. He must become greater. I must become less. This is backwards of a society like ours. You know, you you work 20 years, 30 years at a job. You want to move up. You want to you want to have more position, more power. I've earned it. You know, I might, I've had a longer membership. I should have more rights. And and we we think exactly backwards of John the Baptist. And that's why sometimes we don't have joy made full. Is because we're thinking backwards. We're we're looking for self exalted. We want to be exalted. We want to go up. But listen to what it says here in Psalm uh, 99, verse 5. Exalt the Lord our God and worship him at his footstool. <laughs> He's holy. Go low, beloved. Go low. Enjoy being a servant. Enjoy washing feet. You know, the disciples sitting there arguing about who's the greatest, they wanted to be exalted. John 13, they wanted to be exalted. I I've been there. Sometimes I'm there weekly. But the cool thing is when we really begin to exalt and praise God and we're singing and we're worshiping and we're chasing after him with the heart to exalt him, good things happen. I was doing this just word study. I just looked up all these verses on exalted and I totally forgot this. But there's a very, 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 very famous verse. I know we have a banner of it that we put up sometimes. Very famous verse, Psalm 46.10. It says, be still and know that I'm God. No, it doesn't. That's only half the verse. <laughs> Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You know, when our heart is focused on him being exalted in the nation and him being exalted in the earth, it's way easier to be still and know that he's God. And we don't get unsettled. Why? Because we're not focused on us. We're focused on exalting him, even if we, John the Baptist, John 3.30, decrease so that he increases. It says in Psalm 138, verse 6, Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. 
even in our exalting Jesus and lifting him up, he is so amazing in his grace. He's so amazing in his patience. He doesn't get a big head about it. See, that's what makes him different. If you exalt any human long enough, they're going to get arrogant. God is actually the only one worthy. Look at this, this in Job 37, 23. The Lord or the, the Almighty is beyond our reach and exalted in power. In his justice and great righteousness, he does not oppress. He really is exalted. Psalm 21, 13. Be exalted in your strength, Lord. We will sing and praise your might. Psalm 92, 8. But you, Lord, are exalted forever. You know, when you join in with the angels and begin to exalt Jesus, you can exalt the chiefs. <laughs> you can exalt Taylor Swift. They're going to be done and gone. There's going to be a day when they're not so glorious. When we exalt the Lord, he is forever. When, when we are looking for self-exaltation, I'm not saying we should be lazy and not do our best and, and go for the gold. We, we need to, Colossians 3, 23, work for everything as if we're working for the Lord. All of our heart. We need, to, we need to work with all our heart, but it's not for making us look good. It's for making him look good. And I, I just think if we can start our day, here's one more, Psalm 118.20. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God. I will exalt you. You know, we, we tend to exalt whatever our God is. You know, if we have some kind of idol, you'll, you'll hear people bragging and constantly talking about whatever is exalted in their heart. When you, um, you know, I, I know people, the moment you get around them, they're constantly telling you about all their achievements. They're constantly exalting themselves. Um, I, and I try not to do that. I'm sure I do sometimes. Uh, you get around some people that are always exalting their car. They're always exalting their, you know, whatever it is they're super proud of. Well, be careful because, you know, you're my God. I'll exalt you. Whatever is our God, we probably will exalt it. And so what's coming out of our lips? We need to be exalting. He's the only one actually worthy, right? He's the only one who's actually worthy to be exalted. And you know what? I just want to close up with this. Back to the fullness of joy. Think about what John said there when, when we're exalting the Lord and, and there's a fullness of joy when we understand we're just the bridegroom. How many times have you come to church and maybe you didn't feel great, but you did. You began to sing and to think about the Lord and have higher thoughts, bigger thoughts. You begin to magnify his power, his might, his trustworthy, his goodness, his holiness. You start to feel better. You know what I mean? Like when we get off the throne and put him back on the throne, we, we start to have less stress, less anxiety, less fear. Like, we, like literally, you probably, if you're a Christian, you've been to church a few times, you have experienced the power of exalting the Lord. Again, I want to go back to this one, one phrase because this is what I wrote at the top of the page next to he is exalted. <laughs> exalting the Lord and eyes fixed on his greatness makes us tougher. It allows us to handle the muck and the mire, the immaturity and the brokenness, not getting unsettled and offended. It allows us to, you know what, it's not about me. And if I looked silly or I didn't look good, that's okay. As long as, do you know that it's possible that something really bad could happen to you? And it's kind of embarrassing. 
but you react with humility and grace, exalting the Lord, not overreacting, not stirring up drama. You just, you react in a, in a grace-filled, mature, humble way. Go back to James 3, uh, 17 and 18. Read those eight different things about wisdom. You react like peace-loving, pure. And you react in those eight ways. Your fall on the ice, your getting ketchup on your shirt, your messing up, whatever it is that is kind of embarrassing or you're not being exalted, you're being humbled, your reaction in that moment could actually make Christ look so good. And that's exactly what John the Baptist did in that passage. So, Lord, we thank you that even when we're surrounded and the enemies are coming, all we have to do is follow you. You always lead us in victory. So, Lord, forgive us when we exalt ourselves or we want to be exalted and we make it about us and, and we're not really on that frequency. And, Lord, I thank you for John the Baptist and he was willing to be so humble and to prepare a way for you to be a bridegroom. A helper, not the bridegroom, to be the best man. And and Lord, even in his death, he was a man of grace. I thank you for him. I asked for more of that heart that you would increase and I would decrease. And that I'd be happy about that. And we pray for that fullness of joy as we fully exalt you and we give up our need to be exalted. <laughs> we love you, Lord. Thank you for your word that sets us free in Jesus' name. Amen. Be on the frequency